You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back, everybody, to Love of Pages. Hopefully everybody received their new book, changed their new book. Is there an audio <laughs> ebook or in paperback? I talked Jessica into switching from ebook to paperback with the promise of recipes in the back of this book. <laughs> yeah. And I do believe I said, well, are you really a book nerd unless you have two copies of the same book? <laughs> that one's fair. However, I will say the recipes do also come with the audiobook as a downloadable PDF. <laughs> <laughs> what I have to say to you, Steven. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's actually really good to know. That way I can have it in all sorts of formats. Mm-hmm. But that being said, dear viewers, readers, listeners, you have myself, Elizabeth, and I am being joined by the lovely Jessica. Jessica. I'm going to assume I'm the lovely one. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think that's fair to assume. That is that is the appropriate assumption. I'm sorry. I realize you guys can't actually see where you are, where mm-hmm. you are on yeah. my own screen. Nobody is over there but for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like for, for anyone watching the video, oh, like enjoy that. <laughs> but yeah. And then wherever you are. Um, so <laughs> we'll go ahead and jump in. We are reading The Accidental Alchemist by Gigi Pandian. I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I have no actual idea. Um, So it was my selection of a book. So, dear listener watcher, quick introduction. I actually first read this book by listening to it, which is the way Stephen is doing it now. And the general overarching storyline is that our main character, Zoe Faust, is a 600-year-old, right? I, I remember, like, 300-year-old plant alchemist who accidentally discovered the elixir of life. As one does. And she, <laughs> after having traveled the U.S. for several decades, has finally decided to rest in Portland, Oregon. So she has bought herself a fixer-upper in the Which- true sense of the word. Was she in the U.S. before coming here? Because um, remember, Dorian was under the impression that they were coming from France when he was Correct. in the box. He did not realize that she had been out of France for that many, for those last fifty years. She in Damn fact, Dorian. she has in fact been traveling the U.S. in her Airstream trailer after World War II. Wow, Dorian. As Stephen mentions, is a living gargoyle, a prototype from the Hall of Gargoyles in Notre Dame, who has been brought to life by some form of alchemy or magic, perhaps. No one's quite clear yet. Sorcery. We'll we'll get there. We'll (laughs) get there. Um, But he stows away in Zoe's belongings that she had in storage in France. Because when you are a non-aging immortal, although she doesn't like that word, immortal alchemist, the only thing you can really do to make money, unless you can turn lead to gold, is 
sell all of your old things that you collect over the centuries. So she runs an online antiques market, mm-hmm. which all of us in the 21st century can truly appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us wonder who we're buying things from online. <laughs> but I always assumed it was just some guy who smokes a lot in New York. <laughs> or at least that's what all of my packages would lead me to believe when I buy something secondhand. So Zoe gets to her new home in Portland and discovers this living gargoyle in her things. And on the very next day, the handyman she has hired has hired is found murdered on her front doorstep while she's out. So she goes from intentionally trying to live completely under the radar to prime suspect number one of a murder in what is known as the neighborhood haunted house while trying to save a living gargoyle. So as I promoted in the pitch, this has it all. (laughs) Mystery, murder, a little bit of magic, alchemy, and recipes in the back of the book Mm -hmm. (laughs) or at the end in a downloadable PDF. and goth hipster handyman. And goth hipster goth handyman. handyman. <laughs> Can't forget that one. Which you can only have in Portland. Um, <laughs> so, but before we get into the rest of our book, we have a lovely drink inspired by the book that Jessica so lovingly found for us. So, Jessica, what are we drinking tonight? It's a tea teeny. Tea teeny. Tea teeny. I cannot remember what the actual name was. I just remember tea teeny. That was, was just the name of it. It was just. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I am not drinking out of a martini glass because I'm ridiculous and don't own any, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I'm ridiculous and do own some. So. Okay. What tea did you use, Jessica, in yours? Darjeeling. Ooh, a yeah. good one. I haven't actually tried it yet, so. So I actually went for a twist Ooh. because I don't typically like cold tea. I love hot teas, but I don't actually typically like cold teas. Mm-hmm. So I actually brewed myself a cup of my blackberry cinnamon tea. Mm. That sounds delicious. Which has definitely given this a fun twist to it. I do recommend fruity flavored uh, teas with this. Turns mm-hmm. out pretty tasty. Yeah. Huh. So, I don't have a tea myself, but if you guys are getting tea out there, go for a hot cinnamon sunset. It's the best tea in the world. Black tea base, um, like ci- citrus rind that's in it, um, other like other spicy things, cinnamon, a couple other spices. It's really good. Mm, yeah. I like it. I like it. I do oolong in the morning for pick me up. Mm-hmm. And I stick to mostly mint and herbal teas in the evening hours when I'm trying not to prevent myself from falling asleep. Mm. Yeah, that's a I'm, good plan. I'm usually an Earl Grey, but the Darjeeling came with a book subscription box thing that I did. So I was like, "Oh, this came from a book, so I'm gonna go ahead and use this one." <laughs> well, and that one was from um, the the same brand as the one that I was talking about, the Hot Cinnamon Sunset one. Mm-hmm. That's their proprietary blend. The hot, the idea of a Hot Cinnamon Sunset tea is pretty common, but theirs is the best one in my opinion. Uh, all right, cool. So and. If you are reading along, dear listener, you would have guessed that we were probably going to do a tea-based drink since the entire book revolves around a tea shop (laughs) in all essence. That is the local watering hole. Not a coffee shop in Portland, mind you, 
but a tea shop. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of scrumptious tea consumed. I have also found myself upon rereading this, hi- well, not highlighting because I don't like to write in my books. I just, I can't do it. But writing down all of the various vegetables that Dorian prepares. The, they started off with the best one. I want to point out the mm-hmm. first dish that he made um, started with butternut squash as the main yeah. thing. And that's the best vegetable in the entire world. <laughs> you can at me. I, well, I actually prefer acorn squash to butternut squash. <gasps> How could you? I just like squash. I often like squash. Fair. <laughs> like like, like the sport. Had, or have you ever <laughs> had squash blossoms stuffed? Fried squash blossoms. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a hard one to get a hold of. Not people don't often yeah. have those, but mm-hmm. I mean that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like like They're, I don't go to into place and normally like, oh, excuse me, could I get um the leaves from the like the stem <laughs> like the stem of the broccoli, please? People just don't keep that stuff on hand. No, but in this case, they should. I feel like cheese stuffed squash fried squash blossoms should be on everybody's menu. That's All fair. Time. Because it's delicious. <laughs> but I digress. So before we jump into talking about the first 100 pages, the first 11 chapters for those who are listening on audio, uh, we should do our footnote. So in keeping with what has somewhat become our operating procedures as of now, our first footnote is about Gigi Pandian. And Jessica and I are um, going to do this together. We're going to co-say this because some of the stuff that we were looking up, this lovely author's note and stuff online dealt with where the book came from. And Jessica is far more familiar with this process than I am. So I'm going to let her take it away from that portion. Oh, okay. Well, um, Gigi says in her author's note that this was her cancer book. So I guess she, she got diagnosed with an aggressive breast cancer and mm. sort of like the idea of alchemy's elixir of life kind of, you know, would have been nice at the time for her, I suppose. And mm-hmm. at the time as well, it was National Novel Writing Month, which is NaNoWriMo for short. And that's basically where as a writer, you challenge yourself to write 50,000 words in one month of a completely new story. So it can't be something you've written before or like a second draft. It has to be from scratch. You can do a little bit of plotting. That's it. Um, I've done it quite a few times. I've had some <laughs> decent ideas come from it. Not so decent ones, but um, it's really, really fun to do. So that's how she started the the first draft for this Accidental Alchemist book. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was referring to in my lead up was no neuro. No. Nano Remo? Nano Remo. That one. Nano Remo. The way that you said it was like um, Nano Remo for short. And I was like, well, I mean, it's shorter, except for like the first time where you have to explain it. Nano <laughs> In which case it is longer. Nano Remo. And Nano Remo <laughs> is something I, like I highly encourage like anybody who wants to be a writer to do. It's a great community because like there's a lot of blog sports, a lot of writers go on it and help you out too. So it's just, it's a great way to, if you're worried about getting into writing, it's like a great excuse challenge to get you really into it. So, yeah. So, um, Gigi also out there, apparently, uh, she grew up, both of her parents were anthropologists. 
Mexico um, uh, and the southern tip of India, respectively. So she describes her childhood as being basically dragged around the world on research trips, hmm. which is when she started writing. Um, she also describes her writing style as a cross between Agatha Christie and Indiana Jones. Okay. I could kind of see that and kind of explains why I was drawn to this in the this storyline in the first place. You um, mean you like Agatha Christie? I never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! I know it is shocking. Um, she currently lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband. And she actually claims to have a gargoyle that watches over her vegetable garden in her backyard. I like that. Which was just kind of like one of those pieces that I was like, I mean, I guess that's cool, but like, was it really necessary? Like yes. to tell me that? <laughs> no, I, I, in, like if you're in the San Francisco area, yeah, no, 100%. Is it? it absolutely there, there's, there's a strong uh, gargoyle culture over there. There's actually, there's, there's one, there's a gargoyle um, on the theater, like these string of gargoyles uh, in San Francisco above my favorite, like one of my favorite areas over there. Um, they all have the face of Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> they're so oh. weird. Like they're, they're not literally, but like they look exactly like him and it messes me up every time I see him. It's also yep. a very good sushi shop right by there. Neither <laughs> here nor there. I apologize. <laughs> well, there are lots of actually good sushi shops there's lots of good seafood in the bay area and i don't tend to like most seafood so that's high praise coming for me but um in any case she also talking off of jessica's statement this being her cancer book she also discovered the need um during those treatments for healthy lifestyle which is why zoe faust is described as a vegan mm -hmm. um specifically kind of playing up those virtues of that kind of healthy living and very nature-based world. Now, granted, I, I mean, Stephen, you were for a while, you, mm -hmm. you were vegan. For years. I don't know that I am capable of going without cheese and egg. Like, I'm very much in the Dorian camp where I'm like, why would you do this? <laughs> why won't you eat eggs? Why would you take away cheese? I just, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> No, one of the, the most common like critiques that I saw online when I was going around and looking for things for this online, which is also a very much a pain in and of itself. Google, get your act together. I don't mean the Paulo Coelho book. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, like uh, one of the biggest things is that people end up talking about the fact that the character is vegan and this being like a preachy kind of thing. I don't know why that's a thing. Imagine if she only if she never used the word vegan and she just said that she only ate like plant things. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, I only eat vegetables. No one would have ever had any kind of problem with this whatsoever. But it's just such a constant issue. And if it, as soon as anyone says vegan, everyone gets all up in arms about it. I don't think it's that, as being vegan, though. I mean, preachy. I mean, it just she's a vegan. Yeah, she doesn't ever seem preachy about it. But. The only part, the only part that I didn't like about it was when um, she went out to get the groceries, and Dorian had been like, "Hey, maybe some bacon, though." <laughs> um, and then she was like, "Nope." Nope, nope. I know that she's keeping up appearances because she doesn't yeah. want anyone to know that there's another thing That's there. Insane. But like, go ahead and just like go to a different store than usual. You go to like a, like a dollar store or whatever, some off be off the beaten path place. Order from Amazon or whatever. Don't don't say no for Dory. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And see, and I think 
I think for me, it doesn't sound preachy because the discussion around food is very integral to the storyline because Dorian is a classically trained French chef, like, Mm -hmm. which is funny because you're talking about a living gargoyle, but (laughs) so like it would be important. He would constantly want to talk about food and being a French chef, he would talk constantly complain about her lack of cheese and eggs. And it's true pork products like that would just be not okay um and i think that you know the author does a good job of explaining why she went vegan because of her sensitivity to plants and the things that she you know because she's an alchemist like not necessarily like oh everybody has to but because i'm built this certain way i need you know i need to be Mm -hmm. but in any case I think that's a good spot to jump into the book. So what were your first impressions? I like it. <laughs> okay. I was like, it's, someone else go first. <laughs> I know. It's, oh. I know. it's a very easy and simple read. I, I really like it. And it's very interesting, but I, I feel like I need more to really judge it out. Because we just got the 100 pages and it just I just need a little bit more yeah i am i am questioning whether we shouldn't have just done like bit the bullet and done like 175 pages and 175 pages and just gone through the whole thing in two but i the look on steven's face is that he's trying to get through this i didn't didn't realize that we weren't halfway through the book (laughs) until you said that right now i thought this was one half when you (laughs) nope it's only a third (laughs) well there we go (laughs) <laughs> and it's a smaller third. Mm-hmm. That, like, for, well, you tell us your opinions of it the second time that you are going through it. So the second time going through what I'm picking up on a lot are some of the foreshadowings that come later in different books. Cause this is a four part series. Mm-hmm. Um, and each book does stand alone to a certain extent, but there's definitely some overarching storylines, very much like Scythe was. Um, so I'm catching a lot more of the foreshadowing and the nods than I did the first time through mm-hmm. on some of those long-term ones. I'm still seeing the foreshadowing from within this book that I caught the first mm-hmm. time, but the longer-term ones I hadn't quite caught. And I'm coming back and, oh, so this is the first time we saw that. Okay. But huh. I definitely enjoy this book, one, because I'm obsessed with food. And so I love a book that, you know, spends half of its time talking about what they're eating. Because I'm like, yes, yes, this is this is what I'm here for. This is what I want. Plus, I love a good murder mystery. So, like, I get murder mystery and food. And mm-hmm. I'm a happy camper. Like, there's really, <laughs> you can't make me unhappy about this book. But clearly something doesn't sit right with you, Steven. So let's hear it out. So You're not I really me, I promise. No, no, I like it, so for this one um I really liked the beginning of it and I like where we're at now. But there was a part in the middle where um it got to be like a very typical like this is like uh, it, it got to be a, the t- all the typical things of the books that my mom read when I was a kid that I would borrow to read more books cuz I read <laughs> any book that came into our house I read it. Like literally anything, unless it was some sports biography my dad picked up. I don't care about that. Um, <laughs> but 
like so much of it, even like the introduction of the detective, um, so much of that stuff. I'm just like, yeah. Like, and I have, I'm a person who has like read and enjoyed Mercy Thompson books. So many other things that would be like, typically like you would say it's just because I'm not in the target demographic for it or something and been like, and enjoyed it fully. Like I have, I have no issues with that kind of thing. It's just something about the way that they're it's being presented that I haven't put my finger on yet, that is not striking me perfectly. Okay. Um, that being said, I like the setup of this. When when it if you just said like the bullet point things for it, I'd be like, this this sounds fantastic. This is wonderful. This is this has so many different elements that all sound great. But yeah. you just don't, don't currently like the way it's put together. Yeah. I, I feel like what it is, now that I think on it, I feel like some of the characters are slightly too perfect versions of that character or something. And that's why I said I wish I've read more because mm-hmm. I feel like my slight issue with it is these characters don't seem very realistic at all. Like, not necessarily because they're alchemists, just more not like that. But, like, even the side characters seem too good to be true a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't know. It's, like, a little too picture perfect or kind of sort of hallmarky movie-ish character yeah. base. Oh my it, god. It, it, it feels a, go ahead. What I was gonna say it, it does feel like a little bit like an episode of Heart of Dixie. Which I just started watching, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree to a certain extent. I think particularly as we get towards the end of this book and if you were to choose to continue on into the other books those perceptions would change. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that oh, yeah. they get to open up. This, everything is building in the beginning. I would almost maybe suggest that you are seeing them from the way that a newcomer to a society would see the storefront of any mm-hmm. oh, yeah. or interactions. You know, you start with seeing people as they choose to present themselves and you don't necessarily get who they are just yet. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really wish I could wait a little further before I judge just the character aspect of it, because they they are unique, and I do like I like them enough to the point that I do want to see where they're going and what I'm not quite seeing about them. So, but it's just I feel like that's you get actually more. What it is is within the first hundred pages, you get introduced to so many different quirky characters. Like each single one already has a set quirk. Like yeah. there's there's a tea shop owner, and not only is she a tea shop owner, but her chai is also vegan, which is crazy. But like, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the the detective is even super unique, and I get slightly his background tinting is I'm pretty sure he has some sort of herbology background with his grandparents or something that he mentioned. But anyway, it's or just, carries in China. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and the kid does too. The kid, yeah, yeah. The kid, and then also like the two paragraphs you get for the goth locksmith guy. Yeah. (laughs) But you only get two paragraphs of him. I was like, I wanted to have a full conversation with that goth locksmith. (laughs) I just, there's, there's definitely a lot. Uh, And again, it's, it's like if you're watching um, like an episode of CSI or anything like that in the beginning, like that'll just be a part where for some reason, the camera just kind of lingers on like 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 some like red object in the corner and you're like oh it's gonna be important later like <laughs> th- you do these things to 
point things out to people. Uh, and depending on the type of like murder mystery novel or anything like that, that is one of the tried and true parts of a novel. Sometimes they'll do it for subversion because you're like, oh, no, it's got to be that person. I'm curious to see how it nets out. Okay, fair. So starting with our two main characters, Zoe Faust and Dorian Houdin. What are your thoughts on them? How do you like them as characters? What are you hoping to see? I like Dorian. I have a favorite moment with Dorian already. Okay. What's your favorite? Uh, so when um, uh, she's talking to... I forget exactly what the situation is at the moment, um, but she's she's pulled away for a second and then uh, she comes back in and Dorian has the phone from the little kid. And he's like, he was trying to take a picture of me. <laughs> I can't use the phone. My fingers are stone. Yeah, like, I, can't, yeah. I can't make it work. Yeah. And like, and when, when the kid's like, like, okay, fine, I'll delete it. He's like, no, you can do it while I'm holding the phone. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, that's a very good scene. That is, that is an excellent scene. That is very prime. And Dorian is by far a fantastic character. How do you feel about Zoe? You take this I one, Jess. I, I need more from her or something. I don't know. There's so many mysteries about her past. She's so kind of cryptic. Like I said, it's just the first hundred pages. I was like, mm-hmm. I just... Okay, okay. Stop being so, so cryptic. I get you've had a bad... Clearly, I needed yeah. to just be like, okay, we're just going to do it in two. You just have to do heavy <laughs> reading. <laughs> I know. No, I like her. I think she's fascinating. I like that she's a vegan. It makes sense that she's a vegan. Um, I like that she travels around in an RV because that's probably what I would do if I was not quite immortal immortal i do like her argument that she's not immoral be like i can die i can i can get disease <laughs> I, I just don't age. Shot. i can <laughs> except for <laughs> except for her follicles yeah her hair follicles yeah uh, which i mean there has to be a i guess a cost to everything but i don't <laughs> that's a, that a cost, bad cost though? Yeah, that's, no that, that's a great cost that that's a that's a plus side for this one i know yeah. right because like you're basically you have a great base for doing any color job that you ever want <laughs> like you could do the awesome pastel colors <laughs> if you want like you don't have to over bleach your hair it's just set just i, I was thinking habits. more like you you have like an like eternal career looking awesome i mean that's that's what Enti- uh, Anderson Cooper's entire career is based off of. <laughs> you trust Anderson Cooper because, like, oh, he's got white hair. I trust him. Yeah, he's clearly he's he's educated and wise because he's yeah. got white hair. Yeah, that 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 news gnome ha- with the white hair is pretty cool. <laughs> he's a small um, man. <laughs> how do you guys feel about Zoe's ability to smell scents? Oh yeah, that's. That's a given. Ability to poison. Yeah. Every person, every person who's in any kind of um, like murder mystery or anything like that, they always have the one thing. And that one's hers. That one's hers. Do you okay. feel like a good one thing, or is it like a super over the top one thing? Is it too cliche? Is it too unexplainable? I think no. because she's also an alchemist, and an alchemist that's herbology like her the herbal side of it then it, it it makes sense for her character to be able to do it what i think quite didn't make sense was she 
knows that it's weird that she can smell poison, yet it's like the first thing she says after living for 300 years when she's yeah. a detective, which I'm like... So what you're really saying is she is not particularly... Um, oh, what's the word? Disciplined. She's not well yeah. disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Like she Years. Which I get it's probably foreshadowing for a future like past story that's going to happen, but she just wants an authority figure is around her. It's like her brain shuts off that 300 years of education and living and wisdom just gone in a minute. Like, I, how'd, you, how'd you know it's poison? I, I smelled it. <laughs> like, one does. What did it smell like? I don't know. In that, in that moment, I, I was kind of thinking of psych. Where like like early on in the series, like he's trying to like, kind of like figure out a reason for explanations for stuff. Yeah, that's, that's how it felt. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is absolutely true. How does everybody feel about Brixton? The kid. That's the a kid, kid, right? Yeah. yeah. I, kid. His his name is perfect for what his age would be and the person who would have named him in the locale they would have named him. Yeah. So by that one, perfect. <laughs> How do you feel about him questioning alchemy? I know, it's weird. Turning lead into gold and can she give him the elixir of life? I don't know if we're supposed to be going with like super precocious teen or well not teen, um, like super precocious kid who did like way too much Google searching. But there's also a lot of other things here. Like this kid, he's corruptible. If some other person who has these powers pops up. Like everything's out the window. Everyone's gonna know about this gargoyle. He will sell that gargoyle like in an instant for a, like a, a taste of alchemic powers. I don't know. I feel like he might be loyal. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. I think, I think he's story important for later. Personally, probably. Maybe he can be a little alchemy apprentice. Oh God, it'd be horrible treating him though. Like. He, would not be a <laughs> he, he might need parent like a new parent soon judging by the, the rate at which people around her keep just dr- dying so just his mom just came by so i know she yep. just dropped off her vegan cookie mm-hmm. how do you guys feel so other than our main characters how and i will give this away brixton becomes a main character yay yeah you feel who's your favorite side character so the detective <laughs> really max i like it's him. not dorian well i consider dorian the main character yeah okay okay I'm, i'll take it you've got blue the tea shop owner mm-hmm. well i mean do, do we <laughs> that's fair fair <laughs> but in this hundred pages you had blue the tea shop owner wait we weren't supposed to read through chapter 11 or were we just reading up to chapter 11 you read through chapter 11 yeah she died at the end of chapter 11 yes so for this first 100 pages you had blue she was okay for this 100 pages for 99 pages 99 pages (laughs) 99 pages but no sorry um you have olivia you have sam you have Ivan, who gets a very brief introduction. Ivan is Olivia's friend who doesn't like retirement. Gotcha. Oh, is that that weird lady in the tea shop? Olivia's the weird lady in the tea shop. Yes. Mm-hmm. The I don't know why I, 
I read her like a Karen. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. You have the goth hipster locksmith. <laughs> so, I like you, him. so Jessica's favorite is Detective. And Matt. the goth hipster locksmith. locksmith. Steven, I know you love the goth hipster locksmith. Do you have any other favorite side characters so far? Or ones you think you might end up liking in the future once you know more? Not, not so much. Uh, if like if I had to stretch it past Dorian, I would say like Dorian in a mirror. Like I really <laughs> like Dorian. Like Steven is on Team Dorian. I support this. I support this. That's excellent. But so, and for you? Yeah. I I really so I can't say because it would give away things. Got you. Because okay. I know too much. Because I've read three of the four books already. So <laughs> I have a lot more to go off of on these characters. I definitely have ones that are my favorites. But I am with you. Dorian is fantastic. Um, and Max is, Max is great. Uh, but our last page, the cliffhanger to repay Jessica on is uh, Zoe coming upon Blue's body. I'm going to tell you there's twists. There's a couple of them. Do you guys want to take any guesses? Well, yeah, that's what I'm going to say from how you've talked about it. That's That seems like the clear one. The only thing I would say is we should have seen this one coming. There's a whole song about if, if you were Blue, you would die. <laughs> Do you have any guesses who the murderer is? Karen. No. <laughs> so the guy who doesn't like retirement. He doesn't like retirement to the point he just decides to start killing people. Ivan. I'm going to go ahead and say it's um, it's someone who, who's from elsewhere. Um, it's a distinct possibility that it's someone more related to um, Dorian's papa. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you think... Somebody from Dorian's past. Nobody's guessing it's anybody from Zoe's past. I mean, as Jessica pointed out, we don't know much about her past yet. No, it's a distinct possibility. That's how you flesh out a world. But I, I have nothing to put in on into that one yet. Okay. Yeah. Anything mm. you hope to see in the next hundred pages? Alchemy. Okay. <laughs> herbology. I love herbology. Say so you're you're not feeling satisfied with her descriptions about what she puts in her smoothies and why? No. <laughs> making potions. <laughs> hey, those could be potions. You consume potions all the time to get things to happen. I don't know how she puts her magic in it, because they think she describes like her antibiotics, like whatever she does wow. on Brixton. Like she describes what's in it, but she didn't describe what makes it heal so much better than just those two ingredients. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just a combination of those things from je- from reading like anything from like spell books or anything. Because I was really curious as as a teenager, there are all these people who were really on for like witch things. And yeah. I was like, well, what's supposed to really like make this happen? A lot of times it's, it's, yeah. it's just the things themselves. Yeah, it's, it's the things themselves or like what time that you're doing it under mm-hmm. what moon phase usually. But like that's what 
like alchemy generally calls for a cost usually or, yeah, or something and exchange. what i'm not quite getting with her small like i just i want to see her do alchemy <laughs> like really yeah. like i want to see her make it <laughs> no that's fair like i i have unrealistic expectations for alchemy having I know, been a kid, a kid who grew oh. up watching full metal alchemist yeah, yeah. Thank you for like, that. <laughs> See, and I think like, this does this book. I think as you get into it, will do a really good job of showing you fact from fiction mm-hmm. in terms of alchemy, okay. like getting back to what alchemy was supposed to be, yeah, in its most true and basic form when it was actually a science. Mm-hmm. If that age. Um, so I will be interested to see how you feel about the alchemy. She does perform alchemy. So yes, that does occur. Um, I think it occurs in the next hundred pages. Um. <laughs> we shall see. Check back in part two. Check back in in part two. <laughs> Maybe part three. <laughs> <laughs> and then just go read all the other books on your own. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend. I. I know, Stephen. You said you didn't know how you felt about the audiobook itself. I happen to really like the reading of the audiobook, but I I think a little bit of that vibe was just me not liking the book because I like the the audiobook just fine. I don't have any issues with that one whatsoever. And believe me, I've listened to some really bad audiobooks before. <laughs> There's a really enough. bad sci-fi one. It was a William Gibson book, and the guy every single line was like, "And then he ran into the house like." Oh, <laughs> it's like a bad radio DJ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot to take in. <laughs> so any final thoughts? I know this is unfortunately probably going to be a relatively short episode for us, everybody. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no, no. We're okay. We're, we're on just about 40 minutes right now. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts? Before we get ready to sign off, I do have a feeling we're going to have a lot more to talk about next next week. Uh, well, I'm curious here. I have one question for you guys. Um, yeah. What dish did you consider making while reading this book for yourself, like in the next couple days? Because I definitely am like, you know, what? I, I should make pasta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought about some very specific kinds of pasta that I'm going to make, so on and so forth. Um, I think for me, it was... Which one was it? Probably that butternut squash, or the acorn squash. Oh, I don't even know if... It doesn't necessarily have to be something from this. Like, you're just like... like oh. It spurred you to want to cook. I feel like... Uh, go ahead. Ratatouille. Okay. Probably. Because it's just so vegetable heavy and ratatouille is just such a beautiful vegetable dish. And I've always wanted to make it like how it looks in the movie Ratatouille too. So it's a really fun it's a fun one to make, honestly. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Like no, putting uh, putting the things in is like kind of meditative. Yeah. I don't know, it looks so fun. But I've had it like the chunky way before, like how it originally is, or it's just like a bunch of glob of vegetables cut and chopped and roasted together. That mm. is also very good too. <laughs> Vegetables. I love vegetables. No, I am. Um, this has led me to, and I've done it before, where I uh, end up just searching like weird vegetables you've never heard about. <laughs> I like to 
finding vegetables and then like trying them out. And the ones I came, the one I came across today was um, Ramps R A M P S, which it is, sounds so familiar. It, they grow primarily in the northern Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. I had actually I had heard the word before, but I hadn't ever tried them. And they're supposed to have kind of a cross between an onion and garlic flavor. This is the perfect vegetable. What? Right? Yeah. yeah. This this is this is everything that that was needed for anyone. So, and basically, you're just supposed to like leave them whole, just cut off the very tip of the root because they grow. They look kind of like green onions, almost only a little more bulbous at the bottom. But you mm-hmm. just cut off all the very bottom, and then you either like saute them or grill mm-hmm. them. Maybe with a little bit of a citrus juice or an olive oil. I wonder if I've just purchased these accidentally when they were in season or something. Because I I buy green onions, leeks, or anything that's even akin to those things all the time. Yeah. But then you're just supposed to kind of eat them whole. Like the bulb, the leaves, the whole kit and caboodle. I do that to to green onions. Yep. Naima judged me this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what... That's what this book has spurred me to do is just basically look up vegetables I've never like the first time I read this book I ended up being introduced to kohlrabi I don't know if anybody's familiar with that I guess the best way to describe it it's a root version of cabbage to me almost like it's green and it's dead It, it is not an attractive looking vegetable and you have to peel two layers of it because but then it's under can, the dirt. But it's got so the outer skin is kind of like a potato skin, except it's much harder and much you, you can't cook it. And then it's got a thin veneer underneath that that um, can sometimes give you gas and things. So you just peel both of those. Um, and I just take it with a vegetable peeler and I just go twice over everything. But then you get to the center of the root and you can dice it and throw it in salad or you can roast it which is the way i usually prefer it um i've also made chips with it you can make hmm. chips with it um so it's very good it's not quite it operates like a potato or a yam like it should have a lot of starch but it has far less starch than most of those vegetables do hmm. okay it is not an attractive looking vegetable at all but it is very tasty once you actually get into it um, so, but yeah, look out for ramps and kohlrabi out there, guys. Yeah. And other obscure vegetables. Actually, if you come across other obscure vegetables, please like tweet at us. And honestly, just buy them. Just buy them. Like, just buy them. Listen, yeah. Buy Cause them. We, we need to have a more diverse group of vegetables out there. We can't just survive on carrots, onions, potatoes, so on and so forth. Like we, we need to diversify, <laughs> support them. We really need to. Yeah, no. So that's what I've been looking at cooking. Okay. Well, thank you for suggesting this one. I'm curious to see how this one nets out. It's our first murder mystery so far. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how you guys feel. I guess the the second murder mystery part. I said murder Yeah, yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, you know what? Never mind. I take a (laughs) Yeah, and... Time Time Machine didn't have murder mystery, but it had theft mystery. I mean, it it certainly had pl- it left us with plenty of questions. <laughs> plenty of questions. <laughs> plenty of questions and maybe a drinking problem. Um, 
But if you have any thoughts, please, you know, tweet at us, comment, let us know what you're thinking and how you're feeling about the first hundred pages of Accidental Alchemist. Um, and if you have any recipes you want to share, we are definitely foodies. So we are all mm-hmm. in on that. Um, also, please remember to like, rate, subscribe uh, to this on whatever your podcatcher is so that we can find more people. Jesse, mm-hmm. where can people reach out directly to you at? Uh, you can find me directly on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. Also, don't forget to check out. I do do a little Instagram just for this podcast, and that's Love of Pages on Instagram. Where can people find you on TikTok? On TikTok, I think I'm still JM Bailey writes. So you can find me on TikTok as JM Bailey writes, and that's where I do some of the videos of the drinks that we're doing. So it's just awesome. a great editing platform. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent for short. Today, I actually just uh, launched a new art Twitter. Uh, it's exclusively art, so it's not me just retweeting things or anything like that. Um, it's Peppermint Gent, but minus the vowels. Join That's great. And you can find me and the rest of Geek Elite Media and all of us uh, at Geek Elite Media on our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found at geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, remember to keep turning those pages and always remember to... Geek out! out. (laughs) One day! This concludes our broadcast. 